Heavenly Father, we thank You that You have given us Your Son, Jesus Christ. We thank You that He was willing and did die for our sins at the cross. We thank You, Father, that after He was buried, You raised Him from the dead on the third day. And we thank You, Father, that He is now seated at Your right hand. And we thank You that You sent the Holy Spirit for us. And we thank You also, Father, that salvation is so simple for us fallen fallen man to just hear the good news of the gospel and believe it. Father, this morning we ask that the Holy Spirit would help and guide each and every one of us to be able to hear the truth, recognize the truth, and then to put that truth into practice. And we ask all of this in the name of Jesus Christ, our Lord, by the power of the Holy Spirit. Amen. Amen. All righty, let's stand now and we'll have a song this morning. Well, good morning again, everybody. I want to give you a couple of uh, pieces of information before we get started. First of all, we will not, not, not have service this Thursday, no Bible study, or next Sunday. So Thursday, May 25th, we're not going to have Bible study. Next Sunday, May 28th, we won't be having our worship service. Secondly, um, thanks again for your prayers about having things in place so that we could get to our new space. It does look like looking good um, that we'll be in there by the end of the week and getting our furniture together. Um, Actually, I think uh, not having service next week is probably a good thing. Well, definitely a good thing for me because I have time off. But also, I think it gives you guys time to get things set up. And it looks like, I could be wrong, but it looks like we'll be able to celebrate our first service in the new facility on Sunday, May 4th. I mean, June 4th. So that's what we're shooting for anyway. Keep that in prayer. Um, And with that, let's begin our message this morning. Please turn in your Bibles to the Gospel of John, chapter 14, verse 12. Gospel of John, chapter 14, verse 12. Truly, truly, I say to you, he who believes in me, the works that I do, he will do also. And greater works than these he will do. Because I go to the Father. Whatever you ask in my name, that will I do, so that the Father may be glorified in the Son. If you ask me anything in my name, I will do it. If you love me, He will keep my commandments. And I will ask the Father, and he will give you another helper, another counselor of the same kind as I am, Jesus says, that he may be with you forever. That is the spirit of truth, whom the world cannot receive because it does not see him or know him. But you know him because he abides with you now and will be in you soon forever. Well, I hope as I was reading, you got the sense, the idea that there's a lot here. This is a really a power packed message. In fact, there are four really big deals in these six verses. Let me give them to you. The first one is in verse 12. The greater works than these. Now, this is an amazing statement. We'll get this will be the focus of our message this morning because he's actually saying and we'll see this that. Those who believe in Christ will be doing greater works than even even Jesus did. 
This can be very misunderstood. That's why we're going to look at this carefully and spend some time on it this morning. So that's the first one we have in these five verses. The second one is answered prayer. Answered prayer. Amazing promises, actually, about the fact that if you ask anything in Jesus' name, he will do it. Excuse me, Pastor. Yes. There's nothing on the screen from Holmes. Um, it looks like, uh, Peter, check that, because because uh, we, we monitor that here, and it looks like there is, so it might be something on your end. Okay, thank you. Sure, thank you, Peter, checking in. So again, the first one, verse 12, greater works than these. Those The, the works he's talking about were his own works when he was here in his public ministry, primarily to the Jews. The second one is answered prayer. If you ask anything in my name, I will do it. That's what Jesus says. Again, a statement that's amazing and yet prone to misunderstanding. The third one has to do with loving Christ and what it means to love Christ. And that's in verse 15. And there you can see that it involves obedience. We're going to take a look at that. And then finally, another counselor like Jesus And, of course, that's the Holy Spirit, and that's in verses 16 through 17. So, again, just in these verses alone, six verses, greater works will be covered, answered prayer. And I want you to think about this in terms of your own life, all right, the relevance and the importance of these things, that we should come to understand them, not only for what they meant to the disciples at that time, but also what they mean for us now. And those may not be the same things, which we'll see. Greater works than these answered prayer we all want that and then how to love christ we all want to know and be able to do that i think i hope we're called to do that and then another counselor okay if we're going to do these things if we're going to be living this life we need help we need somebody to guide us direct us challenge us teach us give us the power to do that and that's all wrapped up and what is a limited translation with that word counsel? Because as we're going to see, there's really no one word in the English that can capture the full meaning of the word, the Greek word, which we'll see is parakletos. Okay? That this actually takes more than one English word to really do justice to what that word means, especially in connection with the Holy Spirit. Now, because there's so much here, we're going to take them one at a time this morning. We're going to simply take the first one because there's an awful lot there that we need to understand. Right? Not only for what he was saying again to the to the disciples, the 12, the 11 at this point, but also how that applies to us. So that's what we're going to tackle this week, the greater works. And then after, after we come back, start, probably starting but not ending on Sunday, June 4th, answered prayer. After that, loving Christ. After that another counselor. So we're going to take these things one at a time. I also hope you note as I was reading this morning, and we'll see this again, that in our passage today, the Father, the Father continues to be front and center. Now, if you were to scan, and not just this, but you would scan the entire chapter of verse 14. I recommend that you do that. Just notice the number of times the Father appears. Okay? Quite a few. As a matter of fact, 
it's not just limited to chapter 14 either. From here forward, all the way to the end of chapter 17, it's very rich in references. And in fact, in chapter 17, Jesus is actually speaking for the whole chapter to the Father. So he's very, very, very prominent. But as we've seen also, okay, the Holy Spirit is also introduced here. Okay, as the counselor or the helper. We've seen him before in the Gospel of John, but now we're gonna we're gonna learn so much more information about who he is, particularly again in relation to the disciples of the Lord. Okay? And that again extends to us as well. The Holy Spirit from here forward is gonna also play an important part. Now remember, these are the last teachings that Jesus is gonna give his his disciples, his closest disciples, before he departs really critical material, not only for for the disciples at that time, but also for us, because as we're going to see, Jesus is actually walking them toward the church age. They're not there yet. In fact, as of now, they know nothing. Okay, because that the, the elements, the workings of the church won't be revealed really until the letters of Paul. Okay, and that's really where that's the pride predominant. That's the focus of where we go to understand how we live, understand the things God has done and has given to the church. Okay, so they're not there yet. But as we want to see, there's this, there's this transition. And it's really only in the Gospel of John that we see this looking forward to the church. And in particular, it's in the first chapters 14 through 17 that Jesus on the last night before he goes to the cross is preparing his closest disciples. To do, to, they're going to play a leadership role, right? And I mean, you think about who wrote the New Testament, right? We have Matthew, who was there that night. We have John, who was there that night. We have Peter, okay? So, and now in addition to that, of course, other, other disciples, really, who heard from the Lord, and namely, particularly Paul, Okay, but also James, that James is the brother of the Lord, not James the Apostle, by the way. So what I'm saying to you is one way or another, the entire New Testament comes out of either the directly the apostles or those that that were um, called later on into the fold of being apostle or leader. All right, let's begin now with verse 12. Let's read that again. Because this is what we'll be studying this morning. Truly, truly, I say to you, he who believes in me, Jesus is speaking, telling these things to his disciples. But I want you to notice we're going to look at who he's talking about also. Truly, truly, I say to you, okay, he's saying this to his closest disciples, right? But then notice he says, he who believes in me. By the way, that's a way more general category than the eleven. He who believes in me, the works that I do, okay, now he's talking about the works that he has done during his life on earth, okay, that's the only thing they know, and that's what he's talking about here as the first step. The works that I do, he, and who is he? He who believes in me, period, okay, he will do also, what? He will also do the works that I do. Hmm. And greater works than these he will do, hmm. because I go to the Father. Now, you have to start even here to say to yourself, wait a minute. 
He's trying to say that all these amazing things that Jesus did while he was here, I'm going to do even greater than that. Well, that's what this passage says. And so I think what we're going to have to do this morning is sort of peel away our sort of preconceived notions of what works we're all about for Jesus. And then when we see what those really all about, and it's not, we'll get into it, then we'll see what it really means for us. And then the last part is how are we going to be able to do this? What's the last part? Because I, Jesus, go to the Father. And so so you have to put this whole package together. Okay, again, at the very beginning, all right, he's whenever he says truly, truly, he's saying what I'm about to say is really important. And you really better pay attention to this. Okay, and then he talks to his disciples, but he also but he really is talking about anybody who believes in him. Okay, then he talks about his works, the works of the believer and the relationship between them. And then he finally kind of roots all of this in his his what's going to soon happen, which is he's going back to the father. Now, in verse 12, Jesus has really just finished talking about his own works. And take a look at John chapter. Go back just to verse 10. So you can see that he had just finished talking about his own works. John 14, 10. Do you not believe that I am in the Father and the Father is in me? The words that I say to you, I do not speak on my own initiative. But the Father abiding in me does his works. Notice that. The Father abiding in me does his works. We're going to see that the Son abiding in us does the son's works. Okay, so there's a there's a parallel here between the works that Jesus did because he abided in the Father and he always did the will of the Father and the works that we're going to do. Even here in verse 10, we get prepared for that. And notice that they include the words right away. The words that I say, that's very important. I do not speak on my own initiative, but the Father abiding in me does his works. You see, what he's saying here is the words that he says is part of his works. Okay, see, we what we automatically pin on what? Whenever we see Jesus talking about his works, what's the first thing typically? His miracles, right? But even here in verse 10, he's saying, don't forget my words. Okay, then 11, believe me. By the way, notice in verse 10 and verse 11, they both start with believing. Now, that's significant because verse 12 starts with believing, too. Right. He who believes in me will believe what? Believe me that I am in the father and the father is in me. And we saw last last time that that's basically saying believe that I am God. Believe in the deity of Jesus Christ. Okay. And then he says, otherwise, believe because of the works themselves. Now, this second time he says that, he is talking primarily about his miracles. Okay, so Jesus at the end of verse 11 was talking about his miracles. But even there, okay, so, okay, miracles, supernatural in nature. You know, humanly speaking, we really get excited about that kind of thing. Okay. But why did he even why did he perform those? You always ask, ask yourself the question, what was the purpose? What was the purpose for him performing his miracles? And since he's already said in verse 10 
that his works, that's what he's really talking about, also include his words, well, that's a big clue, right? What, what, what did he do with both his words and his miracles? Very simply, he revealed who he was. We've seen a lot of that. He revealed who he was. He said that I'm here because the Father sent me. I'm here to do the will of my Father. I always do the will of my Father. That's all caught up in the, the, the significance of his words and of his works. So what I want you to notice that even when he's talking about his miracles, they're a means to an end. They're not the end. They're a means to an end. The end is what's important. Whenever you look at a work, don't look at how flashy it is, but ask the question, what's the purpose of it? Okay, we're going to see that also. So now, now in verse 12, he is telling his disciples that he will do the works that he did, that he did. Because that's when he was on earth in his public ministry, by the way, primarily the Jewish people, by the way. So they will do the works that he did, but he goes beyond that. And by the way, by going beyond that, he really precludes the possibility that he's talking about his miracles. Why? Because he says that those who believe will actually perform greater works than I did. Now, if greater means more miraculous more amazing, more spectacular, more supernatural, then, then honestly, that's an impossible statement, right? Can you see that? I mean, this, it's an impossible statement. All right. Huh? Well, that, no, we'll get to that. We'll get to that, right? It's, because it's really not just quantity, okay? It's more than that. So I want you to see, because remember, get back to what's the purpose, right? The purpose is to reveal the identity of Jesus, glorify him, and he glorifies the Father. So it's not, it is, there is an element of this, as we're going to see, that has to do with, as you say, quantity or extent. But that's not the only thing, and, and actually it's not the most important thing. So again, truly, truly, I say to you, he who believes in me, the works that I do, he will do also. And greater works than these will he do, because I go to the Father. That's a really no matter how you look at it, by the way, whether he's talking about his miracles or not, that's an astounding statement. That's something that the first time you hear it, you say, did I hear that correctly? Right. It's a shock, really. I mean, if we're now, I know, as is so often the case, we've known this verse for forever. So and I think in our human nature, how we naturally live, we, it loses its shock value, so to speak. But I want you to look at it with fresh eyes this morning and actually eyes that are, that are that are guided by the Holy Spirit. Nevertheless, on the surface, on the surface, it does sound like Jesus is saying they will perform greater miracles than he did on the surface. And I guess what I mean by that is that the first thing that would come to mind, even for the disciples, would be his miracles, just like. If we're being honest, when we read that passage, the first thing that comes to mind for us, too, is the miracles, which is why we think it's impossible. You know, but there's no way that anyway, I don't care who you're talking about. I don't care whether it's Moses or Elijah right, or even the apostles after Jesus rose from the dead. Nobody ever performed more supernatural, more now, that's the key, or spectacular miracles than Jesus did. After all, he fed 5,000 people with five loaves of bread and two fish. You don't find that anywhere else unless it's God himself from heaven giving the manna, right? 
But that's not a, a man, a human being doing that. He raised Lazarus from the dead. Now, you might say, well, you know, other people did that. It looks like Paul did that when I forget the city he was in. But there was a, it was a long message. If you think I give long messages, you should have known that Paul when Paul was there. Because we're talking hours and hours and hours. And what happened was a young man, a boy probably, fell. And he, and he apparently died. But Paul raised him from, from apparently from the dead. Or maybe he was just in a really bad way. We're not told. But you know what? We studied this when we were in chapter 11 with Lazarus. Jesus raised Lazarus from the dead. But he did it after that man had been in the grave for four days. All right. The body was starting to decompose. Nobody else ever did that. And nobody else ever will. He gave sight. Now, now there are people who gave sight to the blind, but this man was born blind. That had never been done. In fact, the one who for one, the man who he, who he gave his sight to said the same thing. Never has it been heard. And he was saying the truth that anyone was able to give somebody who was born blind his sight. What I'm saying is, and this is a fact, you can't get around it. Nobody has ever even come close to the miracles that Jesus performed. Whether it's before, again, whether it's Moses or Elijah, whether it's after, whether it's today, whether, by the way, today, forget about it. Okay, but even in the early church, in the book of Acts, nothing came close to the miracles that Jesus performed. Well, what is that telling us? It is telling us that if we're going to understand this verse, which is our verse today, that greater that greater deeds, greater works we will perform, we need to really investigate this carefully. We can't just take what we thought it was at the surface. And to do that, right, we have to slow down. We've already, I've already done that when we read it the first time. Let's slow down. Let's take in this verse a little at a time. Okay, the first question I want you to consider, and I've already sort of led you, led you into this. The first thing, by the way, this is always the first thing you should ask when you come upon a passage, especially if you're having trouble. The first thing you should say is, who is it speaking to? Who's Jesus speaking to? Who is this passage for? You know, you, you can't, go to, let's say, the Old Testament, and, and here's something that the Lord said Moses to Moses and say, well, that's for me. It's not. I don't care what mountain you go on, you're never going to get commandments and tablets. <laughs> right? And not, even here in the Gospel of John, by the way, you have to be careful. And this is why I'm pointing this out. You know, again, you and here's the thing, you need to understand this, okay? It doesn't, what, what Jesus said to the 11, sometimes was meant only for the 11, not for us. He's going to say in chapter 21, I believe, that he's basically going to say, whomever sins you forgive are forgiven by God. <laughs> Can we do that? Is it true that we, we, we take the initiative and say, hey, I forgive him, so now you have to, God. Absolutely not. Right. This is a special. Now you have to study more what he's saying, even to the disciples. But clearly that's not said to us. So many things. Now, it's one thing for us to say, well, the things that that were said to the Jews in the Old Testament, I get it. 
But even the things that Jesus said in his public ministry, primarily to the Jews, were not said to us. Doesn't mean we can't get any meaning out of it. Of course we can. But we always have to ask the question, to whom is Jesus speaking? So the question is, in verse 12, to whom or whom is Jesus speaking actually about? He's speaking about people. Well, who is that he's speaking about? He who believes in me, right? See, sometimes you just got to slow down because our minds get ahead of ourselves. Sometimes you just have to stop and slow down and again begin asking the right questions. Who is he speaking about? He who believes in me. In other words, what he is saying is true for all believers now. In that case, you see, but we have to distinguish between, again, between things he says to you, meaning his audience that night, and things he says about all believers, because we have that here. Okay, that's that's an important thing. Now, you don't you can't go overboard with that and say, well, if he said something to the 11, it's only for them. Well, that's not always true at all. But certainly here, he makes it clear that he's talking about all believers, not simply the 12 that were gathered that evening. Now, because he says he who believes in me, and because we've just seen that in verses 10 and 11, he's also talking about believing in him and the things that follow, right? What that means is that faith in Christ is the starting point for performing these works. And that's significant, too, because if we want to understand the nature of these works, we have to see where they start. Does that make sense? They start with faith. And by the way, our whole life, spiritual life, the life that God has called us to lead is completely on the basis of this. So if he's saying that we will perform greater works than Jesus, what he is saying is, we will perform them in, in by means of faith. What we have is faith. Like Paul said, the life I live, the whole life I live now, I live by faith in the Son of God who loved me and gave himself up for me. It starts with faith. Verses 10 and 11, as we've already seen, I mean, you're right there, but we've already covered it this morning. They suggest strongly that what Jesus is talking about in verse 12 when he says, he who believes in me, means to believe that he is in the Father and the Father is in him. That's what he's pointing to when he says, believe in me. Believe that I'm in the Father and the Father is in me. Or again, more simply, I am God. Believe that I'm God. Okay. Believe in God. Believe that Jesus is God. And then what? Let's continue in verse 12. The works that I do he will do also. Okay, in other words, if, when you believe that Jesus is God, okay, and as we're going to see in a minute, that he, is, he, is, he has gone to the Father, then, and on that basis, the works that we do, that he did, we will do also. And then the really astounding part, and greater works than these, he will do. Who? He who believes. In particular, he who believes in the deity of Christ. Then there's that word greater. I know, I know, we want to get to it. But before we do, okay, before we 
tackle, as it were, that word greater, we need to first step back again and remind ourselves of the big picture here. Right? What, what, what is, what is, when, when, when Jesus is, does what he does and teaches what he teaches here, okay, what's the context? What's going on with the disciples? Well, of course, we've seen this in chapter 13. And we're going to go to that passage again this morning just to remind ourselves. He's going away from them. Remember how we saw at the end of chapter 13, the, 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 the apostles are dealing with some really heavy stuff, right? Now, one of them is going to betray him. That's heavy stuff. That, that Peter, the leader, is going to deny him. That's heavy stuff. And Jesus is going to go away from them, and they can't follow him. That's the context. So they're going to need a lot of comfort in order to not only get get through that, but then be ready to do what God is, the Lord Jesus Christ is calling them to do. So let's just take another look. Just go back to John 13, 36. And again, this is the this is the setting around which Jesus is speaking what he's saying in our passage this morning, as well again as the whole all of chapter fourteen through sixteen anyway. And even in chapter seventeen, his prayer to the Father is all about them. Father, protect them from the world. Father, I, I want them to be with me and see my glory. Uh, I want them to understand that we are in them. Right? All these things he's praying about. The disciples, and by extension, he says, not just those, but all who will believe because of them. That's us. John 13, 36. Where I go, you cannot follow me now, but you will follow later. And then he gets to chapter 14, and he begins with what? Words of comfort. Remember, do not let your hearts be troubled. So in other words, everything he's going to say, really, in this chapter, is so that their hearts won't be troubled, that that they'll get encouragement and comfort and be strengthened by these things that Jesus is going to say to them. So that's what we have. Now remember, therefore, the big the big deal here is that Jesus is going to his Father, and when he goes to his Father, what does he say? Well, he says basically, he says, "The works that I do, you will do also." Now, before we apply that to us, what he's saying originally to the apostles is, I'm going back to the Father, but these works on earth will continue, only you'll be the ones doing it. That's what he's saying. It's a comforting as well as a challenging statement. Don't worry. The works on earth will continue. They'll continue how? Now, and I want you to notice this statement very carefully. Hey, this is this is this is really the key. Only now he will work. Who? We, he, Jesus, will continue working. Not only will the works continue, but he'll be continuing to do the works. Now you say that. Well, how can he do that? He's not on earth, right? He, but where is he? He's in heaven. Well, he's in us too. But first of all, he's in heaven at the right hand of the Father in a place of absolute power. And he's the head and we're the body. I hope you can start to, to see. Well, you know what? Now that I see that, I'm starting to understand how we're. Yes, really, we can do greater works than he did. 
because he's working. See, it's the distinction isn't between him and us. Really, the distinction is between him on earth and him in heaven because he continues to do the works. Oh, he's doing it through us now. Okay. Let's look at our passage again. Go back to John 14, 12. Truly, truly, I say to you, he who believes in me, believes that I am God, the works that I do, he will do also. And greater works than these will he do because, notice, because on the basis of the fact that I go to the Father. And with that, now we're ready for that word greater. The Greek word for greater means in a a greater degree. To a greater degree. It does not mean more. If you were to look at this this verb, we're going to do a couple of places just in a minute. You would see that it is it is not the meaning is not more. There's one, by the way, I don't want to get too heavy into the weeds with Greek, but the Greek has another word for more. And that's not used here. This is greater in quality to a greater degree. In other words, it's not it's not the same degree, but more. It's it's to a greater degree even greater in quality if you want to think of it that way now i want to show you that this is true um, by looking at a couple of other places where this word is used excuse me you know the thing about the internet is that it finds you <laughs> no matter where, even, am I still, no, I'm not, I will, yeah, even when I'm here doing a message, just think about it, what are, how can they, it's just intrude on everything, the reason I'm saying that is I got some kind of message that is in my screen, and I was trying to get rid of it, and that's why this happened, soon, soon is right, PowerPoint, start sharing, boom, yeah, are we back up, all right, and by doing that, I get to see you folks online. Hello, everybody, because I have to go back to the. Never mind. Okay. <laughs> All right. So there we are. Okay. So again, the Greek word is greater in degree. All right, stepping things up. All right. Jesus used this word other places, and I want you to the first one. We're not going to go to the passage. I'm just going to tell you. He uses that same Greek word when he said the father is greater than all. Now, he didn't mean that the father is a bigger than well, he is, but he didn't mean he just didn't mean, well, he's like you, only there's more of them. Right. What did he mean? He's greater in degree, his quality, his his whole being is greater than ours. That's what this word means. Please turn to John chapter 15, verse 13. John 15, 13. Same word. Greater love has no one than this, that one lay down his life for his friends. In other words, this kind of, if you want to know what the greatest in the sense of the greatest in quality, he's not saying, you know, bigger love, really. He's not saying you can love more people. He's saying this is the greatest. This is the highest form of love. 
is this, that one lay down his life for his friends. So in our, in our passage this morning, he says, truly, truly, I say to you, he who believes in me, the works that I do, he will do also, and greater works at a higher level than, than I do. And I just want to emphasize he's talking about what they've seen him do already on earth. Okay. Greater than that. Whoa. Hmm. Well, you know, when we, when we read something like that again, we're going to get all caught up in the miraculous and the supernatural. And there's whole denominations that are all caught up in this. You know, they think that somehow they are going to do something more supernatural and miraculous than even Jesus. Well, that's insane. Okay. Sorry to offend anybody, but that's insanity. Right. But, you know, again, let's step back for a second. We've seen this already. What was the purpose of the miracles that Jesus did? Well, he called them signs. Right. They're sign miracles. Does a sign point to itself and say, look how great I am. Next exit, two miles. I said it. I, I No, it points to something else. That's where the power is. That's where the meaning is. That's where the purpose is. That's where the greater is. For God, God can do the miraculous and superficial, supernatural all day long, right? He created this world out of nothing. I want to talk about amazing and supernatural and miraculous. But even that was a means to an end, right? The miraculous in the Bible, the supernatural in the Bible is just a means to an end. And the focus ought to be on the end. You see, the greatness of a work is not how supernatural it is. Let me say that again because we get confused. The greatness of a work is not how supernatural it is, right? Well, what, what do human quote, pastors and Christian leaders, quote, want to do. Some, not, this is, this is not fair, not everybody, but some, they want to say, look how supernatural I am. Look how amazing I am, right? But that's not, that is not the greatness of a work. It's not how supernatural it is. Rather, it's determined, the greatness is determined by the purpose for which it is done, Okay. The greatness is determined by the purpose for which it is done. What's the greatness of the miracle of raising Lazarus from the dead after four days is because it's the, the purpose was to demonstrate beyond what you can imagine that Jesus is God. That's what's really great here. Okay, the miracles are just the means to an end. Again, the principle, the greatness of a work is determined by the purpose for which it is done. Now, not only that, but Jesus, while he did perform miracles, that's not all he did. When, when he says my works, it doesn't just, sure, that's part of it, doesn't mean that that's all he's talking about. Definitely not. In fact, as we saw in verse 10, he's also talking about his words. Why? Because they also reveal who he is. And as a matter of fact, he put much higher value on the words that he said, even over the miracles that he performed. If you were to look again, go through and ask yourself a question, the people who believed in him, you know, became believers. 
did they become believers on the basis of his miracles or on the basis of his words? That'd be a good exercise to do. He put higher value on his words. He says, you know what? You should believe in me because this is what I'm saying. But since you can't, then second best, you can look at my works. But you see his works. When they're when there's miracles. OK, there's one thing. Now, now, the miracle of raising Lazarus from the dead gave Lazarus more life here on Earth than a human body. But he was still going to die. But Jesus said one time, the words that I speak are spirit and they are life. The words, the word of the cross is foolishness to those who are perishing. But the word of the cross is power for those who believe. Now, he did or said nothing. We look at his works. He didn't do or say anything except what the father asked him to say and do. That's also here. Okay, the, the, the greatness of the works also was that they were all based on what the father asked him to say and to do. In other words, he fulfilled the mission of the father. That was the greatness. All right. So when we talk about us performing greater works, we can't forget that principle either. That it's only the things that the Father has ordained for us to do. Right? Because we want to say, I want a new car. I want to raise somebody from the dead. I want to go to a hospital. I want to make everybody well. Well, is that, though, the mission that God has called the church to do? And the answer, quite simply, is no. (laughs) The church is the pillar of truth. We are sent so that, like Jesus said, that people will know the truth and the truth will make them free. Those are his words. If you continue in my word, that's what we're here to do. We're here to preach the word. We're here to live out what the word has to say. That's why he's going to say, if you love me, keep my commandments. We're not. We are not commanded. The church is not commanded to perform miracles. If you don't believe me, just go look. In the the letters of Paul and see where he ever says in the letters, the purpose of the body of Christ is to perform miracles. No, it's not. Now, that might be a means to an end. You know, I mean, I don't believe that the supernatural gifts are still in force today. But I but I do believe that when we are living and doing something and something, quote, miraculous has to happen in order for us to fulfill the call. I often use the example of a of an evangelist that's in a foreign country and he goes to a small village and they don't speak any language that he even understands. It's possible that the Lord may give him temporarily a kind of a supernatural ability to understand what they're saying. But that's not at all what people think when they talk about the miraculous. You see, Jesus did nothing except what the father asked him to say and to do. And he all of that. He was motivated by one purpose. Remember, the greatness of a work is its purpose. The the works and the words of Jesus motivated by one purpose. And notice this. Seek the glory of the Father. Seek the glory of the Father. The one who sent him. Who sent us? Jesus did. What, What are we to do? We are to glorify the one who sent us. When we do that, then we're fulfilling our mission. When we do that, that's a greater thing. You might say, that's a crazy thing to say. Well, except that we have 
we have the gospel in all of its you know definition in terms of let me put it real simply okay as of this time jesus hadn't died or risen from the dead right in the upper room well now he has and the power that was released we studied this by the resurrection of christ from the dead is unbelievable and not only that and we'll see this i'm getting ahead of myself but oh well um not only that but you know i mean if you think about jesus on earth and the things that he did okay well who do you do him for No. Well, yeah, but I mean people-wise. He did it for the Jewish people in Palestine and a few Gentiles. Well, now that he's in heaven and he works through the church and we're the body and he's the head and we're empowered by the Holy Spirit, where does the church go? To witness everywhere. Okay. Look at John chapter 8, verse 28. Jesus, everything he did, everything he said was to glorify the Father. Everything he did, everything he said was to please the Father. Look at John 8, 28 to 29. So Jesus said, when you lift up the Son of Man, this is on the cross, then you will know that I am he. The cross is really, the, the resurrection, the greatest signs of all. And now Why? Because then you will know that I am who I say I am. I knew nothing. And here's the other part. I do nothing on my own initiative. But I speak the things as the Father taught me. What does that mean for us? By way of application? Same thing. We are. It's not what we do on our own initiative. We don't say, well, today I want to perform a miracle. But rather, we speak and do the things that the Jesus has asked us to do, has taught us to do. And what's the greatest thing that he's taught us to do? Miracles? Absolutely not. We, I just, it's in, it's in, we're coming right up to it. Love one another. <laughs> Love one another sacrificially. That's what he's asking us to do. Other things too. I'm not, I'm not limiting it to that. And then verse 29, he who sent me is, is with me. He has not left me alone. For I always do the things that are pleasing to him. Always do the things that are pleasing to him. Okay. Let's go back to John chapter 14, verse 12, because there's one more phrase that we need to consider before we can really understand the full meaning of this verse. John 14, 12. Our passage of the morning. Truly, truly, I say to you, he who believes in me, we know what that means now, deity of Christ, all based on faith, the works that I do, these are the works he's done to date on earth. He will do also. Who? He who believes in me. And greater works than these will he do. But here's the last part. And you can't leave it out because I go to the Father. So again, what explains the fact finally? What explains the fact that believers will do greater works than the ones that Jesus had accomplished? This isn't hard to do. You just read the rest of the verse and it says, what? Because I go to the Father. That's why. And then you have to say, well, okay, so what does it mean that he goes to the Father? What does that mean about him? 
What, what happens when he goes to the Father? Or in other words, what's the significance of him going to the Father? Well, that's another good question. By the way, the answer to this question could be a whole series in itself. Okay, so we're not we're just going to scratch the surface today. What is the significance of his going back to the Father? What happens? Well, right away, there's two things that stand out that are the, probably the most significant. The first one, and we've mentioned this this morning, he will be seated at the right hand of the Father. He was not seated at the, in his humanity now, Jesus, okay, was not seated at the right hand of the Father when he was on earth, was he? He is now. <laughs> He's our, he, he is our high priest in heaven, right? He advocates for us. He intercedes for us now, all of us, the whole church. The second thing, the Holy Spirit will be given to all believers. That can't didn't happen until Jesus went to the right hand of the Father. Now he intercedes for the saints. Now the Father has given the Holy Spirit to indwell all believers in Christ. That's what it means. Some that, the, kind of the big things that it means that Jesus goes back to the Father. You'll be able to do these things because I am going back to the Father. And then I'll be seated at the right hand of the Father and the Holy Spirit will be given for all the saints, all believers. Look at John chapter 16, verse 7. But I tell you the truth. There it is again. Amen. 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 I tell you the truth. It is to your advantage that I go away. Now, there's another shocking statement, right, to the to the humanity of the apostles at this point. They're heartbroken that he's going to go away. But by the time we get to verse 16, he says, OK, now that you've heard these things, I'm going to tell you, it's to your advantage that I go away. In other words, it, it, things will be greater when I go away than when I was here. Why? If I don't go away, the helper won't come to you. The Holy Spirit, the comforter, the counselor. But if I go, I will send the helper, the Holy Spirit to you. Now, these two things, Jesus at the right hand of the father, the spirit coming down and being given to the to all believers. As you can imagine, these two events bring a revolutionary change, improvement, higher in quality to the life of believers in Christ that has ever been true of any other believers in any other time and any other as we call it the fancy words dispensation and even that is a big big understatement in fact it's so big that the words that i might say will not be enough so what i'm going to do is i'm going to let the bible tell you a little bit about it and it's going to be writings of paul because he's the writer the apostle to the church look at ephesians chapter 1 verse 15 Ephesians chapter 1, verse 15. For this reason, I too, Paul, having heard of the faith, notice where it starts, in the Lord Jesus, which exists among you and your love for all the saints, do not cease giving thanks for you. 
while making mention of you in my prayers, Paul's prayers, what? That the God of our Lord Jesus Christ, the Father of glory, may give to you a spirit of wisdom and of revelation and the knowledge of him. The knowledge of him. By the way, that's eternal life. We're going to see that in John chapter 17. Eternal life is to know the Father and the Lord Jesus Christ. In any event, Paul continues to pray. Verse 18, I pray that the eyes of your heart may be enlightened so that you will know what is the hope of his calling you. What are the riches of the glory of his inheritance in the saints? And what is the surpassing greatness of? There's that word, greatness, the surpassing greatness of his power toward us now who believe. He who believes will perform greater works than I because of the surpassing greatness of the power toward us who believe. These are in accordance, notice what kind of power, with the working of the strength of his might, which he brought about in Christ when he what raised him from the dead. When he raised him from the dead, the resurrection changes everything. And he seated him, here it is, at his right hand in the heavenly places. And notice what that means. Jesus now is far above all rule and authority and dominion and every name that is named. Boy, that is a totally different picture, right, than Jesus on earth, isn't it? Of course it is. Far above all rule and authority is the other side of the resurrection now and dominion and every name that is named, not only in this age, but also in the one to come. Greatness. And notice verse 22. And he put, God the Father, put all things in subjection under his feet. Why can Jesus perform greater works through us now? Because of this. He's above all rule and authority. He's above every name that is named. He's put all things in subjection under his feet. And then what? Gave him as head over all things to the church, which is his body. And we are now the fullness of him who fills all in all. Oh, that's why greater works than these. Why? Because he's up there at the right hand of the father. He has all rule, all authority and all dominion. All things are in subjection under his feet, and we and he gave him to us, and now we are the fullness. Not we're not the fullness of, of Jesus on earth before he died. <laughs> we're the fullness of the glorified Christ who's far above all rule and dominion and power. I hope that gives you the sense now why it is that we can perform greater works than Jesus did when he when he was on earth. Because he's still performing them, only he's performing them as who he is now. Let's close in prayer. Heavenly Father, thank you this morning for opening our eyes to really the riches that are that are in this one statement, this one verse in chapter 14, verse 12. And as we understand these things, Father, as Jesus said, we're blessed if we do them. And we're going to see soon that that's the definition of loving him is to do what he says So, but the whole idea is to encourage us, to give us an understanding of who we are now. And that, that, that by means of the power of the spirit and the truth of the word enables us, enables us to go forward in the works that you've called us to do. We ask this in the name of Jesus Christ, our Lord, by the power of the Holy Spirit, we pray. Amen. Amen. Again, reminder, no Bible study Thursday, no Sunday service next Sunday. Hopefully, with some prayer that God's will, we'll have our first service in the new facility the following Sunday. 
which is June 4th. Okay, let's close again in prayer. Father, with all these things, we know that without you, without Jesus, we can do nothing. But with him, we can do all things. We know that you have asked us to pray for these things. And so have the Holy Spirit encourage us to do so. When we don't have the words, we know he does. And we know Jesus Christ is interceding for us at your right hand even now. And with all of that, Father, we now close this service this morning, looking forward to how the Spirit will lead us through your word this week. In Jesus' name we pray, by the power of the Spirit, amen.